Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you're either viewing this on YouTube or Facebook, or you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Prime. As always, uh, we invite your uh, comments and your uh, questions about the podcast. You can reach out to me at fredjeffsmith at gmail.com, fredjeffsmith at gmail.com, and just let us know how we are doing. I'm very happy today to welcome as my guest, uh, Ms. Carla Lewis. Uh, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the month of October, and uh, breast cancer is something that I'm very sensitive about because my mother died of breast cancer in 1986 at the age of 56. So I'm very uh, uh, concerned about uh, breast cancer awareness. Uh, Ms. Lewis has a story to tell, and uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to hear that story. It's not just about breast cancer, however. It's, it's about uh, the way that uh, some of us are treated by the medical profession, uh, and uh, I guess the, the better way of saying it is the way some of us are mistreated. Ms. Lewis, thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Thank you for having me. I should say this, too. This is the first time we've, we've been doing this podcast for six years. This is the very first time that we have done a podcast uh, without a, a person live in, in here. We're, we're doing this uh, over uh, social media. We're doing it over, over FaceTime. So if it looks different, if it sounds different, please allow for that fact because this is something new for us. I'm, I'm kind of happy that we're breaking new ground this way. <laughs> so tell us, Ms. Lewis, you are a breast cancer survivor. How long have you known about your breast cancer? Um, I was diagnosed with uh, triple negative breast cancer in July of 2019. Okay, can you explain to our audience what triple negative breast cancer is? Yes, um, it is the one of the most aggressive forms of breast cancer. Um, Unfortunately, it's more common in African-American women. So um, I, along with one of my first cousins, uh, have the same cancer. Um, I was diagnosed first. Um, she just completed her treatment. Um, it's very aggressive. The treatment for it is very aggressive. Um, they got me into treatment immediately. Uh, once I was diagnosed, um, everything just went very quickly for me uh, so that they could catch it before it spread. Does your treatment include radiation and or chemo or some combination thereof? Uh, yes, um, I had intravenous chemotherapy first, then I had surgery to remove the tumors. I had two tumors, then I had radiation surgery, then I was put on oral chemotherapy pills. Okay, and to your knowledge, at this point, the cancer has not spread. It has cancer-free, and it did not spread. Okay, so you're cancer-free. Wonderful. Yes. That, that, that's wonderful news. Uh, 
However, that being said, and we, we're delighted in the fact that you are cancer-free, you had a negative experience here with a local uh, hospital uh, with regard to treatment. And uh, it is that negative experience that uh, highlighted your being with us today on the Thrive Podcast. I'm just going to be quiet and let you tell your story. Okay. Um, so I have a history of um, DVTs, which is deep vein thrombosis, uh, which are blood clots, um, since my cancer diagnosis. Um, I've had two really big ones. Um, the first one went from my elbow on my right arm all the way up to the shoulder, across shoulders to my left shoulder. Um, and then the second one broke off a piece of my lung when it burst. So um, I have a history of blood clots. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I um, started experiencing the same symptoms that I did when I had the second one, um, which doesn't present as a blood clot. Um, I ended up having like a sharp pain um, and then it was difficult for me to breathe. So um, that happened again. <laughs> so um, nervous about having another blood clot, I called um, an ambulance. Um, they came and got me. They asked me which hospital I wanted to go to. Um, I requested to go to Our Lady of the Lake because my um, oncologist works at Mary Bird Perkins. Okay. So um, I always request to go to Our Lady of the Lake. Um, Everything was going well, um, got to the emergency room, there's no wait. Uh, I immediately got a bed and then everything turned from there. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess the ER doctor um, looked at me and decided to create some biases. Um, I'm not sure if I was believed with what I was coming into the ER for. Um, I was, I was initially given um, morphine for the pain that I was in, uh, but we had to wait for the um, the CT machine. So um, during that wait, um, it, it was just weird. Um, it was difficult for the nurses to uh, get my IV in. It took two hours and three nurses <laughs> to get an IV into my arm. Um, and the ER doctor was just strange. Like she would make strange comments like, oh, um, they can't get the IV in. That's not something I would do. I can do a CT line. Um, like she was trying to scare me to leave the hospital. I'm like, I have a history of blood clots. I'm not leaving um, until we find out for sure that I don't have a blood clot. Um, was so, she aware of your history? Yes, I, it's in my, I always go to Our Lady of the Lake. It's all over my chart, uh, my history. I wear a bracelet. Whenever I get to Our Lady of the Lake, they always give me a bracelet that, um, said that they can't use my right arm at all because of my history of blood clots. Okay. Um, so we ended up finding out hours later that um, it was not a blood clot, but she said that she was nervous about my heart enzyme being raised. 
and um, I know being a breast cancer survivor, um, I have to be cautious. Um, it could have had an effect on my heart. So I didn't know exactly what she meant, but, you know, alerts went up. Okay, now I don't want to leave because you're telling me something about my heart. Um, but prior to her finding out about um, that I didn't have a blood clot, she came into the room and asked me why I was, what I was doing. And I was sitting on the side of the bed and I said, well, I'm dizzy. And she said, well, what are you doing up? And I said, well, I was getting something out of my purse. And I didn't tell her what I was getting out of my purse, but since I've been back and forth to the hospital, I know to bring a charger with me. So that's what I was getting out of my purse. Okay. But she never asked me what I was getting. And she was like, well, you're going to be dizzy because you're um, you're not laying down. Swing your legs up and lay down. I'm like, I will. As soon as you know, I catch my bearings, like I'm, I stopped moving because I was dizzy. So um, I think that she thought that I had drugs in my purse <laughs> so she told me that to, uh with the blood in, with my heart enzymes they had to test my blood again it's like okay you know no problem with that so um i asked for something to eat at this point because i'd been in the er for hours i hadn't eaten anything hadn't drinking anything all day and she said i don't want to give you food because if i give you food and you and the uh, doctor comes in and you're happy and you're sitting up and you're eating food they're gonna discharge you from the hospital they're not gonna um, admit you and i was like okay <laughs> so like at this point you know I've, I've been there i'm tired i'm hungry i'm loopy because i've get, been given morphine on the empty stomach so i was just like okay so she she leaves to go get the ER doctor. I'm sorry, not the ER doctor. Um, one of the medical doctors to see if he would admit me to the hospital. So um, he comes in and he's asking me questions, and it kind of seems like they're trying to like confuse me. And I'm like, wait, just give me a second. <laughs> Let me you know gather my thoughts before I respond to you. So he was insisting that I didn't need to be admitted into the hospital. I was like, okay. And he said, like, the heart enzyme was raised, but it was only slightly raised. And since I was in pain, that could cause the enzyme to be raised. And like, okay, now I'm okay, then, you know, I'll go home, you know, no problem. And I remember telling him that I had a headache and I'd asked for something for a headache. And he said, oh, well, coming to an ER for a headache, you'll waste hours for relief or something. And I was like, huh? And he's like, oh, I was just kidding with you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm just either release me or, you know, just whatever. Did you ever so, ask for your oncologist to be con consulted on your no, case? Be no, because I'd been in, in the hospital before and I, I hadn't needed to call her. And it didn't cross my mind to call her. Let me ask um, you one other question and then I'm going to let you mm -hmm. continue. Uh, do you have a cardiologist? I do not. Okay. Because they're dealing with your heart. I was just wondering if you had your own cardiologist that you might have wanted to be uh, consulted about your condition. Did you have an advocate there with you, or were you there pretty much by no, yourself? I was alone. Okay. Please continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he left out, and they came back in together, both doctors, and um, she was like, didn't you tell me you were dizzy? And I was like, Yeah. And so the medical doctor said, oh, so you're dizzy now. And <laughs> I said, well, I was looking at her. I said, well, I did tell you that I was dizzy. And he was like, whatever, just admit her. And like threw his hands up in frustration. And um, the ER doctor said they were going to admit me into the hospital. And I said, okay. So my nurse came in and I asked for something to eat again. 
And she said, oh, well, we only have sandwiches down here in the yard. I was like, that's fine. I haven't eaten anything. But she left, supposedly, to go get me a tray. She comes back, and she um, she's giving me um, Benadryl for my headache. And I said, you're giving me Benadryl for a headache? And she said, yep, that's what the doctor prescribed. And I said, okay, well, can I get something to eat? And she said, well, they've already admitted you to the room. Um, I know you'd much prefer a hot meal in your room than these cold sandwiches down here. Um, they'll have a hot meal for you when you get to your room. Like, okay. <laughs> I still had to wait um, to be transferred to the room. So when I get to the room, um, the nurse is going through everything with me, telling me her name and everything. And the first thing I asked her is, can I get something to eat? <laughs> because at this point, it had been seven hours, mm-hmm. eight eight hours i've been in the er nothing to eat um so this is not a middle of the night thing where you where you arrive no. there at no. midnight or two o'clock in the morning no. you, you arrived there at nine o'clock in the morning yes and you were okay continue telling your story i, I just want to make <laughs> sure that people have a clearer picture of what's going on okay so um, I did tell her that the ER nurse supposedly called in a meal, and she said, well, I'm going to call one in anyway. So I, I heard my nurse call for um, dining to bring me a meal, but they never came. <laughs> and um, when it was time for the shift change, she was saying that sometimes at that time of night, it's hit or miss with dining and that she had cereal. And I was like, uh, okay. So she brings me in some cereal, and I take two bites of the cereal and I'm like no I need some food so I asked her I said or if I order Uber Eats will they let the driver in she's like oh yeah sure so I ordered food through Uber Eats so that I could eat and um I'm texting my friends about like the experience in the ER and um the new nurse comes in and I'm on the phone with the Uber Eats driver because she's trying to make me come downstairs and I'm like ma'am I'm I'm in a hospital bed. I cannot come and meet you downstairs. And she's like, well, I can't leave my car. And I was like, I, <laughs> I just want to eat some food. So my nurse agrees to um, go downstairs. So the Uber Eats representative would not come into the hospital? No. She said she couldn't leave her car. <laughs> so my nurse goes downstairs to meet the Uber Eats driver. She gets my food. And when she comes back up with my food, I just burst into tears because, like, I've been in this ER all day. I'm starving, and it's just frustration after frustration. So um, I was supposed to be taking <laughs> more meds, but she said, hey, I'm going to let you eat and gather yourself, and you let me know when you're ready uh, for me to come back in. I said, okay. So as I'm eating, I'm thinking back on everything that happened in the ER, and I was like, wait a minute, I think that they, I think I've been treated like I was drug seeking, because um, they tested my blood multiple times, they gave me Benadryl for a headache, like, what's going, what's going on? So when my nurse came back in, I asked her to give me the names of everyone that helped me in the ER, and I asked her how I could file a a complaint against the people in the ER. And she said, oh, well, there's a couple of ways. Um, you can talk to the house manager. And I said, okay, well, when are, when are they available? She said, oh, they're here now. So she went and got him. I made a formal complaint with the house manager. Um, he was pissed. He was upset that, you know, I had to order my own food. 
um, to, in order to eat. He was not upset he, with you. He was upset with the no, hospital no, 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 staff. No, 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 no. He was upset. Yes, and he was upset that I was prescribed Benadryl for a headache. He's like, since when do we prescribe Benadryl for a headache? That's something new. Um, so the, everyone that helped me once I was admitted into the hospital room was great. My issue was with the ER. Okay. Have you, uh, since that experience, uh, consulted uh, an attorney? I have not. Okay. What, what is your plan going forward? Do you have a plan going forward? Or, or, I don't. I just, I knew that I needed to get the story out, so I um, reached out to Terrence because I knew he has uh, media contacts, and I posted about it on TikTok, but that's all I've done so far. Okay. So, do you think that, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're not necessarily claiming that your treatment was racial, but that it was prejudicial based upon a belief that perhaps you were there to pursue drugs? Am I hearing you correctly? Because if I'm not, I yes. want to make sure that, that, that we're clear. I don't know if it was racial or racial bias or medical bias or a combination of both. Okay. What's your feeling? I feel it's a combination of both. I feel like she looked at me and saw um, a black girl in Baton Rouge with locks and tattoos and piercings and decided that, you know, I was drug seeking. Mm hmm Well, the fact that, 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 that you are cancer-free after all of this is a wonderful thing, but it does not speak well of our local medical establishments that you had this kind of negative experience. What would you like to see, if, if you had the opportunity to speak to uh, the representatives that dealt with you in the beginning through this ordeal, what would you like for them to say to you? Um, I would like a formal apology. Um, once I once it clicked in my head that they may have thought that I was drug seeking, I felt humiliated. Like I have a history of um, drug abuse in my family, so it's been like fighting tooth and nails from my to get me to take my medication as I'm supposed to because I'm so scared of being addicted to drugs because of the family history. So it's like for someone like me that's scared to take medicine <laughs> to be accused of seeking it was humiliating to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you do for a living? I have my own business. Um, I am a research consultant. So I provide companies with research services. What's your primary area of research, or, or is it just general? Um, most of my clients right now fall into the government contracting arena. Um, so it's still general, but they, they're having me research things so that they can bid on contracts with the government. Do you think that you might want to spend some time doing some research into emergency room procedures at Our Lady of the Lake Hospital? I could. <laughs> I mean, um, if, 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 if that's your skill set, that, that might be a good use 
of your time. Just an I actually, idea. Um, since going through um, cancer and my treatment, my, my uh, situation was as best as it could be. But talking to other cancer patients, they didn't receive as good as treatment as I did. And I felt like they're, they need advocates. Cancer patients need advocates mm -hmm. um, to be with them to ask the questions that should be asked. Like um, a lot of people just go along with whatever the doctors say. Well, I had a lot of questions. I would go to my appointments with notes in my phone and I had questions and I would write down what they said and I would relay that information to family members of mine that are nurses to make sure like, hey, this is what's supposed to be going on. But not everyone knows that they can do that. So I, I've been, I've had the feeling that I needed to do a nonprofit for cancer patients and advocacy, but I may do it, I may need to do it for like black people in general, um, need advocates, especially black women. Um, when I posted my story on TikTok, it was so many people saying that, hey, this happened to me too. Mm -hmm. And I've never been scared to go to the emergency room by myself. And now, I'm not saying that I'm scared, but I'll pause. Like, maybe I should take someone with me. Because of your medical history, do you... Because of the experience. Yes. No, what I was going to ask was, is your medical history a reason why you spend a lot of time in emergency rooms? Or do you spend a lot of time in emergency rooms? I, I guess that, that's what I'm trying to understand. It's why I did. Um, prior to um, cancer, I I didn't spend a lot of time in emergency rooms. I went every blue moon like a normal person. Um, but once I was diagnosed with cancer and going through cancer treatment, um, I had to visit the emergency room quite often. Um, just different things going on. You hear a lot, especially during Cancer Awareness Month, which I believe is not just October, but also February. You hear a lot about the American Cancer Society. You hear a lot about local advocacy groups uh, for breast cancer awareness. Uh, what's your experience with those groups? Do, 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 they, do they live up to the billing, in your opinion? Um, if you um, reach out to them. So you have to take the initiative. Are you a woman of faith, if you don't mind my asking? I am. How has your faith played a role throughout this entire cancer experience? Um, I, I never feared that I would die. I, um, I just knew that I would be okay. Um, as soon as my team went through everything with me, um, I, I just knew I would be fine. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you're a relatively young woman dealing with this. <clears throat> what is your counsel to women who think that they have to reach a certain age before they start examining themselves, looking for symptoms of breast cancer? Uh, I know that there are general rules of thumb, but as someone who has experienced it firsthand, what would your counsel be to women? Um, listen to your body. Um, I found my first tumor on my own, um, so I self-diagnosed. I didn't know about the second tumor. That was found during my uh, mammogram, but I found the first one on my own. Um, so 
it, it's never too early to start um, the uh, massage that you're supposed to do to um, check yourself every month. I think you're supposed to do it every, yeah, every month. Um, you should do a self-examination. It's never too early to start. Um, if there's anything weird going on with your body, get to the doctor. Um, don't think that it'll just go away on its own. And to make people aware, uh, we, we, we have done staying in prayer segments about uh, breast cancer. Breast cancer is not just a female problem. There, there are men who have breast cancer as well. And so men should do some form of examination as well as women. I really want to thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Is there any final thought that you would like to share with us regarding your experience? Um, I just want to encourage everyone to speak up for themselves. You don't have to be combative. I was never combative throughout the situation, but um, I did make them aware, like, I know this is not okay. So um, speak up for yourself. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, and take someone with you. <laughs> uh, learn from my story. Make sure you have someone with you uh, that can advocate for you. I really agree with that last part. Make sure that you're there and you're not there by yourself. Uh, uh, because sometimes, because of the fact that you're going through the situation, you can't be your own best advocate in those mm -hmm. situations. I hope to have the opportunity to meet you in person when, when you get back to Baton Rouge, but thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Thank you. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next time. <laughs>